Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of East West Draftcast. My name is Greg, I am one of your hosts. Your other host, Jeff, is on the line with me. Jeff, what is going on? Uh, not much, Greg. Uh, just, uh, started classes. And that's, Uh-oh. that's fun. Going back to school. Going back Rodney to Dangerfield. school. That's right. I'm on the diving team. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. Um, that stuff is dangerous. Be careful. Uh, today on the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about, I mean, I figure we just talk about, I don't know, shards block draft. That seems relevant, right? Sure. I mean, I'm in. We, that's a cool format. I mean, there's nothing else we really need to talk about, is there? Yeah. Bloodbraid Elf is a good pick. Oh, Bloodbraid Elf. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he's or her. Was it a he or a, a it's she? It's I'm sure there are male Bloodbraid Elves as well. Probably. I think Bloodbraiding is not a, uh, a gender-specific role in the elf community. I don't know. We should probably pose that question to the listeners. Why don't you send us an email? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe we can, I don't know, pick it outside of Wizards until they tell us. Uh, okay, all jokes aside, we are going to talk about Avacyn Restored. Um, kind of do a little bit more of a systematic breakdown of some of the cards and colors that we did not get to in our last episode where we kind of tried to piece together the format as a whole. Um, so we're going to start off talking about kind of like the top commons in each color and discussing those. Uh, I also want to talk about trying to evaluate like what the best uncommon is in each color, uh, as well as noting some just straight-up unplayable cards. And if we have time, uh, I hung out with some folks who uh, drafted and did Sealed on Sunday, and they had some stories and uh, some sleeper cards that they thought were going to outperform like initial expectations. So if we have time, we'll get to those. If not, we'll save that for next time. But uh, I want to jump right into... The commons of each color. Jeff? Greg. Are you ready? Do you have any thoughts? Any any words to add before we jump into this? No, I think this is... Uh, I think you got it. Okay. Uh, let's start in white. Uh, if you want to follow along with a spoiler, or I guess not a spoiler, it's just a card image gallery on the uh, wizard site. That's what I'm going to be looking at. But I, do what you got to do. Go wherever you need to, to to look these cards up. Because I don't think we're necessarily going to list what every card does. We're just going to start talking about it. Yeah, people should, I don't know, probably know at this but, point. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely not going to know all the cards by name, but I know what most of them are by like what they do. Uh, so that'll probably be the best way to describe them going forward. But with that said, top white commons. I mean, it's basically everything versus Seraph of Dawn, right? Yeah, I think Seraph is above everything else. And this is the 2-4 Lifelink Flyer. Uh, I talked to some folks on Sunday, and it, it this card rules the skies. It is definitely the best white common, and it, it's kind of a format-defining card as far as what you need to be able to deal with. Uh, like, if you face one of these angels, you got to be able to deal with it. If you can't beat one of them, you're probably your deck probably isn't in a good spot. Right. I, I mean, uh, I, this was this was like we talked about in the last podcast. This was the card that just shot out at me immediately, just way above the power level of what a common normally is. So it's kind of a and it, and lifelink is such like they rarely put lifelink at common, and if they do, it's usually on one ones. 
So to see it on like a two four is yeah, that's that's not something that's it's so hard to deal with. Like if you can't kill the creature, you're not damaging your opponent. Right. And so with that kind of out of the way, what do you think is the second best white common? I kinda wanna I wanna loosely get like a top three for each color and I'm not exactly sure where I fall on all of these cards, but I have like it I, I wrote down some cards here. The next best I would think are either Righteous Blow, the two damage to an attacking or blocking creature instant. Okay. Defang, which is the the Chant of the Skisfang, like functional reprint. Yeah. Uh Moreland Inquisitor, which is the two two for two that can get first strike if you pay three mana. Uh-huh. And Cloud Shift, which is the one-mana blink effect. Really? You did not mention two commons I think are better than maybe all of the cards you listed. Okay, well then, again, I'm, I'm pretty... This is all loose to me, so what do you? What, what cards are those for you? Uh, Voice of the Provinces? Which is the... Six-mana, three, three, three flyer that, that adds a token to the battlefield for you? Yeah, I like that card, but six-mana is a lot. Nah, it's... I mean, I haven't... So... I didn't get to go to the pre-release, unfortunately, but all reports and our uh, analysis say that this is quite a slow format. Six mana is not a lot of mana. It is it is happening every game. Every game. I mean, I get that, but what I'm saying is I think it's not too difficult to find... I mean, whether or not this is the second best white comet or not, like the six drop on your curve is kind of a... Uh, it's it's not a it's an easy spot to fill and I mean it's not super easy to find like a quality six drop but it's like if you want a five or six mana spell that's decent like I think you can find that in most colors pretty easily. Yeah, it, I mean it's the only card that makes two creatures, uh, which is relevant I think because there are a lot of like when a creature enters the battlefield something happens or whatever or. I mean, not so much a common, but a, a, like uncommon and rare, you'll see stuff that cares about that. Um, and just having like the extra body is nice when like you have all this soul bond around. Like, just bodies are cool because you got all these kind of like pseudo enchant creatures that keep wanting bodies around. Okay, so you said that there were two cards that you thought of. What what's the other one that's not angelic basic? wall? The 04 Flying Defender? Yeah, for two. I think that card is better than... Definitely better than Defang, and probably better than the Righteous Blow for removal. As in, it is essentially a removal spell for an attacking creature. That is three or less power, yes, but uh, most creatures are there. Yeah, I think that Righteous Blow does that as well. I mean, the difference is, is that the wall can... I guess you can you can shift what it's blocking. Like you don't have to block the same creature every turn, whereas Righteous Blow is a one-time effect on a single creature. Right, and that creature has to have two or less toughness to kill it outright. Otherwise, it's just a combat trick, which is fine. But I just don't know what Angelic. I mean, Angelic Wall doesn't go on offense whatsoever. I mean, it's just a uh, it's just a blocker. Does Righteous Blow go on offense? I guess. So. Yeah, it could do attacking or blocking creatures. Okay. I mean, that's not that offensive, though. It's not like you can remove a blocker. They have to block first. That's true. But. Uh, again, like, I'm not totally slow. I don't, I don't think Angelic Wall is the second best common. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the second best, but I think it it's close. Like, I think 
I think it's the best removal at common for for white. I'd rather have either of the actual removal spells. I'd rather have Defang or Righteous Blow, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, this is, again, from basic analysis and a little bit of conversation with people who actually got to play the format. Unfortunately, I was not one of them. Okay, so do you, you think it's the six-drop angel that makes the 1-1 one, one dude? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's a hard one. I, I mean, uh, it, it's. I guess you're right about the six mana thing. It's hard to. It's hard to call a six mana common, uh, like in the top commons, just because, like, it, even things that are. I mean, I mean, take like the seven seven in green. It seems so ridiculous. Like, like. Well, that that's an uncommon. Version. To be fair, I thought that was common. No, so did I, and uh, I checked again. Um, actually, I listened to the limited resources uh, review of the set, and I was like, why aren't they getting to the 7-7 seven, seven when they're going through the commons? And it's because it's an uncommon, and uh, I looked it up. Oh, but well, I have that one. Re- real quick shout-out to that podcast. That was very, very good. Um, if you have the did time to... Did you listen to, to that whole thing? I did. It took, I mean, I listened oh, to it in pieces. God. But and but I mean I want I want to give like some props to John and Marshall like in particular because like they do something which is kind of hard for me to do sometimes which is to be very skeptical of all cards like sometimes I'll see a card and I'll just be like oh that card's sweet like without kind of really thinking about what it does and how it works and they I mean true to their word they go nuts and bolts on everything and they really break down like the best-case scenario, the worst-case scenario. I mean, I do think they take a little too far sometimes. Like, the their their uh, review system this time around was to grade each card on, like, a, I don't know, like a an academic F. scale, yeah. A through F. And they gave the, uh, what's that artifact that becomes a 3-3 flyer when you play a creature? I don't remember, but, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know about. what card I'm talking about? Yeah, the Halcyon Marshall, Marshall, Marshall gave that one a D because it doesn't block, and I'm like, Ugh. I, I mean... <laughs> To be fair, like, he, I don't think he played with Halcyon Glaze back in Ravnica. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he didn't have as much context to evaluate that card as maybe I did, but I think that card's definitely better than a D. It's probably a B. It's my yeah, I'd say, like, C plus, B minus is probably where that falls. And it, and it definitely depends on how many creatures you have in your deck, and we're going to get to that later. For but sure. um, I, I do want to, I highly recommend that set review if you can take the time to listen to it because they do an excellent job. Yeah, I. I... I listened to part of it. Uh, it was it is five hours long. Just to let everybody know, it's yeah. the most insane. Like I looked at the length of the podcast. I was about to just click play. I did. I mean, I listened to part of it, but like, I just was like, oh my god! Like I'm at work and half my day is gone. I assumed I could listen to this whole podcast at work, but nope. Didn't even have the ability to do that. It was. Yeah. Uh, I was blown away, and yeah, really like gotta give him some serious like kudos for a five-hour podcast i could not do that like i just don't think i could well they really do go into each and every common and uncommon unplayable or not so i I mean yeah it's it's a big undertaking and yeah big big lots of depth to those yeah and there's a lot there's a lot of it's it's mostly like in a vacuum type stuff They, they don't evaluate the format so much as they evaluate each card individually I mean, they do that. They definitely try to put it into context. The problem is, is when you go through each card one at a time, like starting in a certain color, I think they started in green for this set review. Like, 
sometimes you need to jump around to get the context, but they go alphabetical commons, then uncommons in each color. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to talk about the green cards in the context of the format when you haven't talked about the red cards at all, like when the red cards are the second to last group of cards you're going to talk about. Anyway, we are digressing. I want to get back to the top white commons. I want to go out on a limb. I think it might be Cloud Shift. I, you very well could be right. That's a card that's like, just, I really, really want to play with it and uh, try to figure it out. I, I originally looked at it and thought, meh, mediocre trick. But, um, you know, like, it, so much application, so many different things it could do. Yeah, and Soul Bond, Soul Bond is everywhere. Everybody is playing Soul Bond creatures, and if you're playing Soul Bond creatures, having a blink effect is useful. If you have a tapped creature, you can untap it on their turn. Like, there are just so many different ways you can use that card that I don't think it's ever going to be dead in your hand. Right. It's it's really important, like that one last one you said, is that it is, like, uh, a really, like, swingy spell because you can untap a creature, like, just untapping a creature is huge. And if you untap any creature that has an enter the battlefield ability, like the six mana angel that makes a one one human, like another that's reason a big why game. I really like that angel. Yeah, is there's some, yeah. there's or not so much, but there's a decent amount of this blinking stuff. Yeah, I mean, Miss Raven, Griff Vanguard. Oh man, there's so many, so many ways you can use that card. That I think by the as we get into the format, like we're gonna appreciate that card much, much more. I mean, it, very, it might not be the second best white common necessarily, but I do think it is very useful, and uh, I have a feeling you're going to be willing to play more than one copy uh, going forward. Yeah, and I mean, just like we were talking about, the removal's so terrible. To protect one guy from a removal spell is going to be huge. Like, that's one removal spell that they can't... I mean, that, that you blanked, and that's like one of their very few that they have. Yep. So... I, yeah, I think that the Seraph of Dawn is like definitely the best white common. I think like right now, I I would venture to guess the Cloud Shift is the second best. I very well might be proven wrong on that. Uh, time will tell. But I like that. I like that pick. I'll, although, like, I would not be so bold and say that myself. I'd probably maybe pick the Voice or fuck. I don't know. <laughs> like nothing else is too exciting. Is the thing is everything else is pretty standard meh, you know? Yeah. But that's um, a lot of this set's commons. Let's move on to blue, where, I, once again, we kind of have, like, one premier blue common in Mist Raven, so... Well, I, th that's the, I think Griff that's, Vanguard is up there as well. I think, well, oh, man, I don't think it's that close. I mean, I think Griff Vanguard is good, and that's on my list for possibly the second best common in blue, but I think Mist Raven is just... Oh, that's the card you want. I... I I definitely think Mr. Raven's the best common, but I think Griff Vanguard, as well as, let's see, Amass the Components is... Amass the Components, Crippling Chill, and Scrapskin Drake are the three cards, I think, kind of vying for the number two spot. Yeah, I like with that. With Scrapskin Drake kind of bringing up the rear there. Mm -hmm. I do think that it's probably between Amass the Components and Griff Vanguard. Like, drawing three cards. What? Like, that yeah, is so good. Yeah, I mean, I played with it in Tempest Block uh, draft, which <laughs> I've done about four or five times, and I think I've drafted blue-red, like, almost every time I've done it. 
and uh, Sift is essentially the same card, and it was the top. It was like the first pick in a stronghold pack almost every time. So, so in your first Avacyn restored draft, if you are for or faced with the choice of Griff Vanguard or Massive Components, which are you taking? Pack one, pick one. Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, just vacuuming if, hits. If you, if you, yeah, if you think you're gonna, be, if you know you're playing blue, and I'll take that's, the Vanguard just because it's the body. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's more relevant. I like, don't know what I'm mind. digging for yet, you know? It's like, I mean, sure, like, a mass components is great, but I, I don't know. It's like, I want to have a plan before I'm, like, digging for that plan. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, the Vanguard gives you a small amount of card advantage, and it develops your board, whereas a mass components gives you a significant amount of card advantage, but doesn't affect the board at all. Right. And they're so, fairly close in cost, so I'm like pretty okay with the five mana right. spell and it seems like the flyer deck is very much like the a real deal yeah probably the deck is yeah. how it's feeling but so all right uh and if so you'd say a massive components probably the third best blue yeah comp? yeah i think I, re- I think crippling chill might be it but i'm not willing to go there yet now you really like uh da, 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 cloud shift what do you feel how do you feel about ghostly flicker three mana is a lot different than one mana yeah i um, I, I, t- I talked to some folks on sunday about that and they said that cloud shift was very good and the ghostly flicker was only okay because leaving up three mana is just often not worth it and, right. and you're not saving two things from a removal spell usually. Like that's one application right. that it's not like it's essentially doing the same thing versus a removal spell with the, those two cards. Like, yeah, sh- sure you can untap like two guys and really blow them out like in combat or things like that. But usually it's you're gonna get the value off one guy and, and maybe a little extra value off the second. Although it, it does right. hit lands and artifacts. Although lands not that important. Kind of just reduces the cost of the spell. Sure. I mean, I think that that's important, though. Like, it, it costs three, but if you can untap uh, another land and use that land in some way, yeah. like, get some more mana to cast something else, like, then it becomes a little more worth it. I mean, the chances of you being able to do that at instant speed are slim. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to Black, where, again, I think in the set review we kind of pegged Deathwind as the best common, but... Number two is kind of tricky. Bone Splinters, Ghoul Flesh, Undead Executioner. What are you thinking? Jeez. Uh, I think it's the Executioner. But... He he really fits with the black plan of sacrificing dudes. Yeah. Um, like, for value. But at the same time, Bone Splinters is the way you sacrifice, and it's got a very powerful effect that no other card does in the set, at least at common. Right. This is something where I'm... Pr- I, I think it's Bone Splinters, and I don't think it's that close. Okay. Um, I, I think you can make a case for the Undead Executioner, but in the end, it, for me, it comes down to mana efficiency. I mean, the Undead guy costs four. Bone Splinters costs one. Uh, I mean, it doesn't... Re- I mean, yes, it costs one, but it requires something else to happen for it to work out. I, sure, you need a creature on the board. I get that, but at the same time, like just 
as far as using all your mana in a turn, like it's very easy to play something else and cast Bone Splitters on the same turn. True. I mean, the way I look at it, like in a in the little vacuum of my mind, is Undead Executioner is is a two for one, and Bone Splinters is a two for one in the wrong direction. But I mean, that's completely ignoring all synergies and the way the format is. So that definitely skews things. It's just hard for me to pick the two for one not in my favor as the better card. Yeah, but I think I think you nailed it. You you got to kind of evaluate it in the context of the format, which is. If you're playing black, you there are a lot of creatures, even especially at the common level, that reward you for going to the graveyard, whether it be the execution or whether it be the butcher ghoul, which is the one one undying. Uh, driver of the dead. Yeah, driver of the dead, and then you have other cards like blood artist that drain your opponents when creatures die. And the fact of the matter is, is that bone splinters says on it destroy target creature. Like there, like you said, there's nothing else in the format that does that. Deathwind, you have to spend a lot of mana to kill something big. Bone Splinters, you spend one mana and sack a dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's and, and sacrificing is, I think, what you want to be doing if you're playing black. Now, do you think that uh, Grave Exchange ever comes up as in this discussion? No, I don't. I think that's another issue of a six mana spell. Mm-hmm. I. That was another one that uh, the limited resources guy, Marshall in particular, did not like very much. But I do think that card is fine, especially in a format that appears to be as slow as this one is. If it if it put the card into your into play, like it'd be absurd. Like there's no way they could put oh, that in comp. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that it feels like a uh, slightly, maybe, maybe slightly better morbid plunder, but. Morbid Plunder was three mana compared to this six mana. Uh, I think I'd rather have Morbid Plunder, if only because I get to choose both modes of it, whereas Grave Exchange, my opponent gets to choose what he's sacrificing. I I was just thinking along the lines of, it affects the board immediately, so that can be pretty beneficial. Like Sometimes Morbid Plunder, you draw it and be like, well, I needed something to happen immediately, and that wasn't it, you know? Right. Although, if you have six mana up, then probably something is happening immediately. Grave Exchange is another card, though, that kind of combos well with Bone Splinters. Yeah, totally. So, I yeah, I, I think that that's the card I'm going to be valuing as the second-best black common going forward. I mean, it might be Ghoul Flesh by two weeks from now, so who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if I'm picking the Connoisseur higher than a lot of things, but just because I like myself a gimmick. <laughs> Connoisseur, which one is that? Uh, the 1-1 one, one Sacrifice Creature to put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. Yeah, that's a really good enabler. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's I, I just really looking forward to abusing that card. But sure. not to say that you should be picking it over at removal. I just foresee myself doing so. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't take that card over Bone Splinters because they both have the same downside, which is that you need to sacrifice creatures to make them good. Right, but, but the Connoisseur is a win condition. Like, if, if I'm like go in, like, the Thatcher's Revolt, like, Mass Thatcher's Revolt deck, I won't, I'd rather have Connoisseur than a Bone Splinters. Well, speaking of Thatcher's Revolt, let's move to Red. Alright, let's do it. Number one common, can we agree that it's Pillar of Flame? Yes, we can. That would, that's okay. an easy a- agreeing. E- easy agree. Easy agree. Um, Is it an e- easy agree? Easy agree. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that um, Heirs of Stromkirk is close. That's the Intimidate Vampire that gets plus almost one counters when it damages an opponent. Yeah. It's four mana for a 2-2, and I... I mean... Seems pretty unblockable. We we talked about this last episode. This card is very powerful. I think that it's good, and I think that you'll be glad to play it in your red decks. But I'm going to go out on on another limb. I think that the Riot Ringleader and Thatcher Revolt are both more important to what Red wants to do, and therefore are probably cards you should be taking higher. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so... Red is the human aggro color. I, I don't think it does anything else in this format. Well, I mean, if you have an Airs of Stromkirk, that does something all on its own. Sure. I mean, again, it's like, in a vacuum, yes, I agree with you, that card is better than either of the other two, but uh, in the context of the format, like, I'd rather have... I, I think I'd rather have the like the all-in human token aggro deck. Yeah, I could definitely see taking a Riot Ringleader over it. Um, I know that Ryan will scold me for this. I don't think I would take Thatcher Revolt over it. Uh, I saw him do some silly things with that card on Sunday. I know. I, I, he, the first thing he said to me when I talked to him was Thatcher Revolt is the best card in the set. <laughs> and, and that's a very Ryan thing to say. He's very into a gimmick. And uh, that's his gimmick of choice. He'll be on this deck for weeks. And well, let's can we break down that card a little bit? Yes. Like we we know why it's good in the sense that you get three hasty dudes that interact well with cards like the Riot Ringleader mm-hmm. and cards like all those black things that reward you for when creatures die because at the end at the end step you sacrifice all the human tokens from the Thatcher Revolt. Right. On its in in a vacuum, the card is absolutely terrible. What what is good against it though in this format? Like what cards kind of hose the Thatcher Revolt? Hmm. Hose it. Uh, life gain. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Seraph of Dawn hoses it pretty damn good. Yep. I mean that's fair. Uh. I mean, I don't this know. This is why this is why I think the card is very good, and I'm I'm kind of with Ryan on it right now. Like I don't. I'm not going to say that it's the best card and the best common in the set. I definitely don't think that's the case, but I do think it might be the second best red common in the set. All right. I, I, I mean, I would love for that. To, or I wouldn't really love for that to be the case. I'd love for this card to be really good in its specific deck and only there, um, which I think is the case. I, I'm. It is the case. I'm hoping that that deck is not like the only way you can play red. Is what I'm hoping. But okay. Well, I, I think it's to me it's a it's one of those best case scenario type things is like if you are playing red that's the deck you would you want to be playing more than anything else i'm not i'm not saying that other red decks can't work i just think like if you get the good version of that deck it's clearly the best red deck okay does that make sense yeah um it's like go ahead well something that that really is important is that uh like so you're probably the colors to pair red with are black green and white. I don't think red-blue is much... I mean, I'm sure there's definitely going to be red-blue decks, but 
I don't, I don't think it has as much synergy as the others. Um, yes. And the fact is that it's good in red, white, and in red, black, the two of the three. So that does bring it up pretty high, right? I mean, it's either, you know, your red, white, human shenanigans or your uh, red, black sacrifice. And it makes three humans, and all of them can be sacrificed. Yeah, I think it's pretty good in red, green as well, but only if you're kind of like base red, if that makes sense. I guess so. Like if you're mostly red with some green support cards. So still kind of a like a red green human instead of Yeah, exactly. Like it has it has so much synergy with the rest of the red commons and uncommons that if yeah. you are like mostly red, I think it's very good. Whereas like it doesn't interact all that well with many of the other green cards. Did you you did see the uh, insane synergy with Gold Knight Commander in white, didn't you? Yes, that is absurd. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch that at first. And then I get. I get three four fours and my commander my is cap- a five five. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's and that's just those two cards. Any other creatures on the battlefield are also overrunning. Yeah, it's that's a pretty sick interaction. It's absurd. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I think we can agree that heirs of Stromkirk is the in the vacuum card, but on synergy, you're gonna go I think with it the might revolt. be the revolt or or just the, uh, the ringleader. The, the ringleader, the which is kind of... He's the crux of the human deck, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, move on to green. We've got... Now, this is, I think, where it gets a little trickier as far as the top common goes. I do think that it's trusted Force Mage, but I think you could make a case for Borderland Ranger or for Wandering Wolf. Which one's the wolf? The wolf is the 2-1 for 2, where with creatures that have uh, power less than its can't block oh, it. Oh, really? Okay. So is it, Just, it's really easy to bring power up, you've noticed? Well, I mean, between the Trusted Force Mage and the other two drop that puts a plus almost one counter on something... Ah. There's, yeah. They got a pump spell, or a couple, but one of them's yeah. pretty mediocre. Well, I, I just think it's a very good two drop, and oftentimes that is good. I do think that the format is slow, but because of that, you can possibly exploit that by playing good, efficient two and three drops, mm-hmm. like the Wandering Wolf, like the Trusted Force Mage. Right. I, I think the Nettle Swine, the the four three, is also very good. The four three for four. Yeah, it's much larger than most things here. So I mean, like I said, I think it's the Trusted Force Mage is the top green common, and then after that, it's what kind of deck do you want to play? Do you want to well, play like Value Splash? plan with Borderland Ranger. I mean, which is also a human, like, that counts. Yeah. The great thing about green is that, like you're saying, like, that we have, like, a top common in the Force Mage, and they, there's some more that are really close to that level of power, but, like, the next step below is not that much further away either. Like, everything is pretty high up in the power level in terms of this set. Yeah. So it's like the... really deep in terms of the commons. The the worm the six yeah. four for six that great, soul bonds for guy. trample yeah. that guy's that guy's pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, I think green is the force mage, and then some. I I almost don't really care between the borderland ranger, the nettle swine, and the wandering or wandering wolf. Excuse me. Yeah, there's a lot so. of just solid playable dudes, and that's okay. what green does best. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the uncommons. 
right. I want to do this pick a card style with you, and I've kind of picked out like two to four cards for each color, and you just pick the one you think is the best. Okay, let's do it. So for white, pick a card, Emancipation Angel or Banishing Stroke. Emancipation Angel is the 3-3 three, three flying. And the when it enters the battlefield, you have to return right. a permanent you control to your hand. And the Banishing Stroke. It's the instant that has Miracle, and it says put target artifact, creature, or enchantment on the bottom of its owner's library. I'm going to go with the flyer. I think that uh, the angel is better. I can't disagree with you. With that said, the removal in this set is so bad that I think that I would pick Banishing Stroke. I understand, but I really want to be casting 3-3 flyings for 3. Yeah, I think that's totally understandable, and you might be Especially when I have things like Mist Raven in my deck, or other such... Bust. Ways to abuse yeah. the just a, yeah. there's like a good amount of ways to abuse his thing like not as much as say core Skyfisher and Skyfisher was just pretty bonkers in Zendikar though that card was nuts yeah so I, I forget who I was arguing with somebody I was arguing with because I was trying to say this card was good I think it was Spencer and he was like did you think Skyfisher was that good I was like are you kidding me I first <laughs> picked that shit so many times. Well, Skyfisher was better in its limited format because of landfall. Like you could pick up a land right, and I actually gain value off of that. There was more, more a little more synergy with the picking up of things. It also was a two-three for two in a format full of two-power things. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty huge. Okay, so you took the angel. Uh, moving on to blue, into the void or latch seeker. Oh, into the void. You were. Pretty quick on that. You just like the the spell. Uh, I part advantage, I guess. Or this big tempo. Just the yeah, the big tempo. Uh, it like because the format's so slow, people are going to be playing more expensive things, and uh, you can really get them pretty far behind by paying four to bounce like their five and six drop, you know, and uh, and then. Um, for, like, a negative on the, the Latch Seeker, which I think is a great card. Um, the one toughness, like, there's a there's the two removal spells, one in black, one in red, that give minus one toughness that are playable, and uh, he's, like, prime target number one for those types of spells. Uh, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I think that that's the number one reason I would take that card, the Into the Void, or the next card I'm going to say over the Latch Seeker is that Anything with one toughness in this format is not going to, or, or doesn't necessarily have that long to live. Right. There are a lot of answers to that. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of the few things that has a lot of removal for it is one toughness dudes. Yeah. Uh, so Into the Void versus Vanishment, which is the instant that uh, puts something on top of someone's library. Right. And it has Miracle for a single blue. Pretty damn similar cards, kind of. I mean, one. Yeah. One being the, you get to remove a draw step instead of another permanent. Uh, I think I still like Into the Void. Like, just immediately getting the huge swing on the board is, like, just seems so powerful to me. And um, what was the last card that did this uh, that I'm trying to Ooh, think? Grasp of Phantoms. 
No, I'm, I'm thinking of something that did two in one. I guess uh, the obvious one, oh, Silent Departure, Quick, but... Quicksilver Geyser. Yeah, 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 Quicksilver Geyser. I really liked that card, um, although it was instant, but it cost one more, so I think that... It was also common, so... I, don't I think know. that the fact that Banishment is an instant puts it over the top for me. Yeah, it's also a combat trick, yeah. That's... Yeah, it's a combat trick. You can end-step them with it. I think that... And the fact that it is Miracle, you can occasionally get it for a single mana, is very, very powerful. So that's the card I would take. But I I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those cards. Yeah, the the End of the Void just seems... I don't know. I get, I... I foresee, like, I know that this format's just going to be, like, a bunch of board stalls, and that'll really, it's like, just break a board stall wide open. Two creatures off the battlefield immediately is pretty huge, but... Okay. Uh, so in black, barter and blood versus any other uncommon? <laughs> no thanks. Well, maybe, actually. And... I think you can make a case for Blood, Blood Artist. Artist. Yeah, that's, that was my... I think you might be able to make a case for the Evernight Shade. The Undying Shade? Undying Shade, yeah. yeah. pretty cool. Uh, but I think I'll take Barter. Killing two guys is just so tasty. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Blood, Our... Blood Artist. I mean, we've seen this card. It was just one set ago. It was on a 2-2 flyer, but... Um, we all know how that card turned out. That card was Falconrath Noble, yes. for those of you who aren't getting what we're insinuating here. And Falconrath Noble is ridiculous. Just super insane. This set is based around a sacrifice mechanic in black. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah, and that's actually something I wanted to say is that I saw, like when I saw Ryan do disgusting things with Thatcher Revolt, it was often because he had a Blood Artist on the table. You know, yeah. Like, there's just a lot of really good interactions with the blood artists. Like that, that drain ability seems so innocuous when you look at it. Like you lose a life, I gain a life, no big deal. But man, it adds up fast. Yeah, I mean, just imagine with Thatcher Revolt is that, say none of your guys are blocked, that's a nine damage swing. Like that's... they take they take three from the attack, yeah. and then when the creatures die, they take three more, and you gain three life. Like that, yeah, that's silly. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Um, honorable mention to Human Frailty, the one mana, one black mana instant that says destroy target human. Yeah, lots of good humans. Super cheap. I talked to our buddy Jordan about it, and he said it felt a lot like uh, Go for the Throat in Scars Limited. Yeah, I bet. In that you almost always have a target. So for a single black mana and instant speed, like that card is very powerful. That That might enter the conversation as well as we delve deeper into the format. Uh, but I think we can agree that right now Barter and Blood is probably the safest yeah, I mean, just pick for best black and common. It's so easy to build your plays around it to get crazy good value. Yep, especially with all the it leaves the or enters the graveyard triggers you have in black. Yeah, I mean... Okay. Yeah. Let's go to red. Uh, Thunderous Wrath versus any other red uncommon? <laughs> nope. Thunderous Wrath. <laughs> yeah, I... Five damage to a player or creature. Kind of nice. I do not think that... I think this is the one that's the least close. Yeah. It's not even a little bit at all. And, and it's very... That that has a lot to do with the format. That, or, or the format that we're imagining, I guess. Uh -huh. 
in that the removal sucks for the most part, so something that deals 5 damage to any creature and can also go to the face, like, that's probably just good enough, you know? Yep. Um, I think... Gives you a a lot of reach. I I would like to talk about what do you think the second best is. Uh, Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. I think the... um, Oh, what's he called? The the Havengul vampire, the 2-2 that gets a plus one plus one counter every time something dies, and also every time he damages an, uh, an opponent. I think he is very good. I like the pinging enchantment. The lightning prowess. The lightning prowess, yeah, where you, the aura that makes your creature into a tap to deal one damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gang of Devils, I think, is fine, albeit expensive. You know what I and, think my favorite one is? What's that? The Lightning Mauler. What does he do? He's a 2-1 uh, for a red Nicholas, and he's Soulbond Gives Haste. Oh, yeah, he seems sneaky good. Yeah, really powerful. Because um, you can kind of, like... I, I don't know. I feel like setting up uh, turns where he'll, he'll his ability will be really important is pretty easy to do, especially in Black Red, where you can actually sacrifice guys to unpair him. Yeah. But. I, th- I think that Aggravate also enters the discussion to some extent, if only because it's going to be really good in some situations. God, yeah. Where you get to, like, kill all their one-toughness dudes, and then Remove everything else blockers, they have... Yeah. Everything else they have attacks in, which either lets you set up favorable blocks to their creatures that oh, by the way, still have one damage on them already. Right. Or just, yeah, taps all their creatures so that they have no blockers for your swing back. Yep. So I think that that card is, really can also be very good, although it's a little more situational than something like the Vampire or the uh, the Hasty Soul Bond guy. Yep. Uh, last but not least, the Green Uncommons. Druid's Familiar versus Blessings of Nature. Druid's Familiar and Blessing. Ah, so we got uh, Mr. New Travel Preparations and Blessing of Nature, and uh, the Druid's Familiar is the... Plus two, plus two, Soul Bond. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the Familiar. They feel pretty similar ones on a creature, though. Yeah. I don't think you ever want to run Druid's Familiar out there without another creature to bond it with immediately. Like, I think oftentimes it doesn't matter what order you play your soul bond creature versus the creature you're you're bonding with it. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, wait, why are you afraid of this one playing this one? Just because just they'll kill it? Yeah, like, if you play this and don't bond it with anything, then it's just a 2-2 on the battlefield, and that's yeah. a little easier to deal with. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, I don't know. I think it's still fine to run out there, if unless you have, like, something else to do, obviously, but... I don't know. I I could see on an empty board, like, if you have four mana untapped on your turn four, are you just going to do nothing? What if they have something? Are are they doing nothing? Yeah, I know. I think think in that case you run it out there. I just don't feel good about it. Yeah, you're not as happy about it. But, I mean, you won't be happy with Blessing of Nature in your hand in that situation either. You also don't really get that, that feeling of plus two, plus two hastiness that you get when you already have a creature on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think that I might take the Blessings of Nature, but 
I mean, travel it's preparations close. has taught us a very important lesson, and that is do not underestimate distributing plus one plus one counters. Right. Well, I mean, incremental growth did that a, a while ago too. I, I don't know if you played with that card back in. Uh, I think that was Lorwyn. No, I did not play. I didn't play much in Lorwyn. Uh, yeah. I played that, with that, Thrive, which was pretty mediocre, but it could not double up plus one plus one counters. So that was yeah, the big that's deal. That's no good. Um, so then Druid's Familiar versus Wolfier Avenger, which is the 3-3 three, three Flash regenerate. Three that also regenerates. Oh, I love that card. <laughs> that card's... I think that's my pick. That yeah. card's really, really good. Just uh, essentially a, a removal spell that turns into your crazy, efficient, awesome dude. Yeah, a removal spell that is also a 3-3 three, three regenerating creature. Yeah, ugh. Great card. That card... That card is really good. I think that's the that's my favorite green uncommon. Yeah, me too. Okay. I think Howl, uh, I think Howlgeist is really good too, though. Which one is that? The uh, four two undying creatures with power less than it cannot block it. Oh yeah, that guy's really good. Uh, again, I'm I'm gonna come back to the six mana argument, although I do think this is probably one of the best six drops in the format. Yeah, I mean for for uncommons, I think it it is the best six drop. Um, it's just like it's I mean, so not hard much to blocks it. Yeah, not much blocks it, and even if something can, it probably can't the second time. Nope. Oh, it it doesn't live to tell about it, and even if it does, like then you have to have five power to block it. Like, good luck with that. Yep. Um, I like want I wanted to include the seven seven for six mana on this list, but in the end, it's just a a big turtle. It's just a seven seven for six mana. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge, but uh, you can chump block it all day. Yes. Um, all right, so real quick, let's run through the cards we believe are unplayable. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to start with the colorless card here. Seraph Sanctuary, the, the common land. Don't play this card. Unplayable. I, th- I say it's unplayable. I disagree. I think I'd rather have a base I know why... Angel. Good luck. Good luck with that. Good luck. Mono white angels. I'm doing it. I'm playing Seraph Sanctuary. All right. There's our first forcing the issue right there, huh? <laughs> yeah, that'll be an easy one to draft because angels aren't right. good. Um, Anyways, speaking of, uh, and that's the real problem is like you want the mono white angel deck. Like, <laughs> do you think you're going to no, get it's passed? Not good. I mean, you have to look at this as the same card as um, from Scars, the uh, the cloud cloud post. Is that right? Yeah. It's the same card. And uh, Cloud Post was never played ever, so neither will this be. Unplayable. Yeah. Um, White cards. I'm going to throw some at you, and you tell me whether you agree or disagree. Angel's Mercy? Uh, Seven Life? Absolutely unplayable. Cathedral Sanctifier? Cathedral Sanctifier... One one, um, three life. I will not say that you should never play this card. I will say that you should never main deck this card. But against, I mean, this might be the uh, the the way to beat Thatcher Revolt. You never know, you know. Ugh. Hey man, gains you three life, can block a two one, and be happy about it. Uh, yeah, you're probably never actually blinking it because you'd rather probably blink almost anything else, but. That, there is a deep option of doing that and gaining three more. Uh, but 
I will, I will not put it in the unplayable park. Okay. Midnight Duelist? Uh, yes, absolutely unplayable. Do not play Squires. Or was that what they called? Squire? You just said to play a one-mana one-one, and now you're telling people never to play a one-mana one-two. That gains you three life! This gains you I don't nothing! <laughs> gains you nothing. I think they're both unplayable. I I will be very unhappy if I ever have to side into I'll a tell Cathedral you what. Sanctifier. Cathedral Sanctifier doesn't just gain you three life. It gains you closer to six life. For one mana... You also said that Angel's Mercy was unplayable. For four mana? I'm not Uh, gaining seven for four. I'm gaining six for one. And I'm not saying to play it all the time. I'm saying to play it against the crazy aggro red deck only. Okay. Well, I mean, I think you can always make that. You can can have that caveat where every card is always slightly playable at some point. Like, it's probably correct to play Angel's Mercy in some matchup sometime, but, like... Maybe, yeah. Most of the time, I don't think you're going to play any of those three cards. Yeah, okay. Okay, blue cards. Ghost form? Ghost form. Uh, don't play this card. <laughs> okay. Outwit. Outwit. Uh, I don't remember what it does. Counter target spell that targets you. Or 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 an opponent. It's a, oh. a player. A player? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, never play this card, ever. Alright, thank you. Uh, <laughs> black cards. Wait, wait, can we talk about oh. second guess? And, sure. And how, I, second guess. and how I think you should never play it ever as well? Oh, that's an uncommon, right? Yeah. Okay, I've, I've only got commons on this list just for... Okay, that's fine. Uh, ...your own sanity, but yes, yeah, second guess is also a card you should never play. Yeah. It seems like it counters something, it actually doesn't. No. I mean, it, it does, but... Do it's never care? gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Right. Um, black cards. Mm-hmm. Essence harvest. Unplayable. Hunted ghoul. Unplayable. Okay. Uh, any other ones you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, this card is not unplayable, but boy, am I not happy to play it. Is polluted dead? Yeah, I think he's okay. I mean, he's a five draw. He's a three mana, f- or a three three for five. Yeah, which ah, God, it feels gross to play something like that. At least you get like a small mana value when he dies. Like we're gonna get to another five drop in red that I do think is completely unplayable. Right now, I might as well just mention it. Uh, Raging Poltergeist. Absolutely unplayable. <laughs> six six one for five mana. Yeah. Like, trades with literally everything. Yes, it does, and it dies to literally everything in terms of spells, and it's just poop. It's crap. Yeah. Um, battle him. Uh, so the obligatory ritual in every set that's always terrible for everything ever, including casual anything. Come on, wizards. Do we need a yeah. like the worst ritual ever every set? Like, just admit that rituals were a bad idea. And never print them again. I'm totally on board with everything you just said. I, I do think it's funny though. I mean, it's it's so it's really awkward because we grew up playing with Dark Ritual, which was <laughs> so good, so good. Like <laughs> oh. it's absurd how good that card was, where you could like power a Necropotence on turn one, or like a Sarcomancy and a Black Knight on turn one, or a Hypnotic Specter, and it's like now on turn two with Battle Him. What's the the funny, you can that card. the funny thing is... Add one red mana to your mana pool on turn two? Yeah. Like, 
Oh, no. The funny thing is, I don't even think that Dark Ritual is too good. I think that card is fine in limited environments. Like, Oh, yeah, limited for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it get, lets you cheat for two, extra, two more mana than you should have. Yes, that's pretty fucked up. But, I mean, it's no soul ring. You can't do it every turn. You do it once... <laughs> And you lose that, and you lose card advantage from it. Like it's, it's fair-ish. It would have to be probably uncommon, or something like that. But, uh, but I mean, the big problem is constructed, and yeah, you yeah. can do way more stupid things. So they can't print it. But right. Um, I want to ask you what you think of banners raised. I do not think this card is unplayable. I do not think it's good either. Yeah. But I think there's probably a red deck somewhere that'll want to play that card? I think it's... I, I will say that, yes, you're right. There's probably one red deck somewhere, lonely red deck, that wants this card. I think it will be very uncommon to happen. Yeah, so I think that one's pretty close to being unplayable. Yes. For the most part. Um, dangerous Wager? Uh, dangerous Wager. It, Discard your hand, then draw two cards you, for two mana at instant speed. We're talking about this as an unplayable? I'm throwing it out there as possible. <laughs> I, I rate this card as extremely good. Really? Yes. Just as a late game play? Yeah. I think I guess that's fair. I mean, I, I just I read it and I'm like, ugh, is this a card I ever want to like? Am I ever happy to play this card? Hell yeah! Draw two in red. Holy shit! <sighs> Man, just dump your hand and dangerous wager. It's like a wheel of fortune. <laughs> I think I think you're. Best case scenarioing this card in a big way. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm not gonna play more than one, I don't think. But but fuck, I might play more than one. <laughs> I really like this <laughs> card. I I mean, it's one of those things where like it's it's this it's effect that just red just just gets nothing close to this ever. Um, like it gets if it ever gets card draw, it's always uh, both players. Like, this is something that you just don't ever get your hands on in red, and I think that there's a reason for that. I think it's really powerful, and yes. But, and it's at most points in the game, it's just going to be card disadvantage, because you have to discard cards and cast this one to draw two. Wait, yeah, look, you have to you have to look at it and play it in your deck as something like a six or a seven drop. Like, because... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because I understand you're that, playing it you, as the last card, right? It's the last card you, you played. Do you play six mana... Seven mana draw twos very often. Like I don't think you do in red. Yeah, I do. Okay, uh, I I don't think I'll be happy to run that card very often. Like you just don't get enough value off of the discard at end of it. I'll tell you this: when at at first I'm going to be running one of this card in every single red deck I build. Oh boy! Well, tell me how it works out because I, I don't will. think it's going to work out well for you. I will. Uh, next card: malicious intent which is the aura that allows a creature to tap so another creature cannot block. Uh, Don't play. Yeah. It's like, it's really hard for me to say it's I'll unplayable. never play it. You'll never play it. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll say it for you. But what if, what if I can untap my creature a bunch of times? There is one blue card that does that, yep. and we previously discussed how blue-red probably is the worst, yeah. like, red color combination. Oh, but it makes things not block. All right, all right. I'll... There's already a, there's a there's a 2-1 haste that does that for you. I know. I just don't like to say falters are unplayable, but this isn't a falter. 
This is way. This is a falter that requires you to tap a creature. Yeah, God, that's bad. All right, that's bad. Okay, uh, we talked about raging poltergeist. Let's get any more red cards you want to talk about. I think that's it for me. I'm not a fan of Somberwald Vigilante, but uh, I think because he's a human, he's never going to be unplayable. Well, never going to be unplayable if you're human synergy or whatever. Sure, that's what, but what I'm saying is there are decks that will play that card and not feel terrible about it. Especially because he, he kind of attacks as a 2-1, he trades if, up when, he, when he's attacking. I have a question. If yes. your only human synergy in your deck is one Riot Link Ringleader, do you play the Vigilante? No, but... Okay. I just wanted to... Yeah. Because like, it's, it's just not playable as a 1-1 one, one that will often not be blocked. It's like, great. I get yeah, in no, one, I, one damage. I think that's fine. Um, that is one of the cards that uh, when I threw out on Twitter and like what what cards impressed you or, or disappointed you at the pre-release weekend, people said that Somberwad Vigilante was a card that they were impressed by or that, oh, that no. surprised them as being better than they thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, I very well will, I will probably be in that camp, but my original like thought is like near to unplayable. So okay. Uh, green cards, and this is this one I wrote down, and then I saw on Twitter that somebody posted this is another one of those cards that they thought was better uh, than people were giving it credit for, is Diagraph Escort, which is the one mana, one one, soul bond Does that this have gives both creatures pro zombies. Anything to do with Flowering Lumber Knot? I don't know, maybe. It also might have to do with the fact that again, it's just a human for one mana. Okay. Yeah. In the red green deck, I still like I, I look at this card and like pro zombies. Yeah. When yeah, when do I want to play this card ever? I can't it think seems, of a time. I, it seems terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like it's a straight unplayable, but yeah, maybe it's not. Uh, what do you think of the flowering lumber knot? Because this was one that I wanted to put on the list, but just couldn't bring myself to do it. Because there's so many soul bond creatures. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can put this as not an unplayable, but it's a often seen in sideboards. <laughs> yeah, like most of the time, you're not going to get enough soul bond creatures to make this guy work, but maybe every once in a while you will. Yeah, so. and five five is is worth like the upside is worth the downside. I think the downside right. being that it does nothing, which is a horrible downside. But I, the upside is like. Five five is so big in this format. It's like, yeah, just well. And there's there's certain soulbound creatures that really interact well with it. Like the the two three hexproof guy in blue, uh huh, is probably the one that comes to mind first. Ah, oh, that guy's great. Yeah, I don't I don't know how good that card is, but he does seem really annoying. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's just you play I mean, it. Hexproof is like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, the first thing you pair it to, it's like, well, shit. But like yeah, like turn five flower or turn four flowering lumber knot, turn five hexproof soulbound guy paired with lumber knot, like it seems very good. Yeah, I mean the fact that the the hexproof guy is a two three on his own. That's just he should have been a two two. What are they doing making him a two three? Making him like a relevant solid. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know. Uh, grounded. Oh, uh, unplayable. Unplayable. Uh, terrifying presence. Which is the fog except for one creature? Uh, you were high on that card earlier. 
I know. The more I think about it, and this, I, I'm going to take a cue from the LR guys again. Like, they kind of talked me out of this card. Like I was trying to talk you out of it, too, but you weren't listening. I know. I, I think it took all three of you to talk me out of it. Like, it's just a mediocre trick, yes, right? Yes, yeah. It's never affecting more than one creature is the problem. I mean, we, we talked about what the best case scenario was, which was they double block and hope to trade with one of your huge creatures. Right. And then you play this card. It's very magical Christmas landy. It, well, and you're still just two for wanting. Like, Which is great. You're, yeah. you're spending one card to their two, but that was going to happen if you just traded your big guy for their two guys anyway. That's totally so, true. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know if it's, I don't think I can put this in the unplayable pile yet, but it's probably not a card you're going to want to start very often. Yeah, quite a, quite a switch for you. That was, uh, I, I again like in this. This is why I, I gave these guys, I gave those guys kind of props earlier. Is I wasn't being skeptical enough when evaluating terrifying presence. So. Yeah, I. I mean, it was just one of those things where I looked at the card, looking at it, comparing it to uh, Safe Passage, and realizing it's it's just much worse and. Much worse. Yeah, and the fact like that it costs one less mana. I don't really care. Like, it's just not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, uh, any other green cards you would put into the unplayable pile? Do, do, do. Uh, yes. Sheltering Word. Which is the... Target, target creature gains hexproof, and you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Although, I should probably take that back, because I was earlier talking about playing a Cathedral Sanctifier. So... Yeah, well, I, and that's actually something else I wanted to bring up right now was there are cards that are unplayable, and I think we listed all those, but there's also, like, kind of a pile of cards that you'll never main deck, but every once in a while you'll bring in from the sideboard. I think Sheltering Word is one of those. Like, if you run into the all-removal deck, I think Sheltering Word is fine. Like, yeah, I can see you siding that in. Yeah. In, the, in, like, in an instance where you would side in a Ranger's Kyle, maybe. Although I do think Ranger's Kyle is a much better card than this. Definitely better, yeah. Yeah, um, I think other cards that kind of fit the sideboard profile are Curse Break, Mental Agony, Demolish, and Natural End. Yeah, and, and I mean most of those are standard ones. It's like destroy artifacts and enchantments. Yep, things you won't see that often, but uh, when you do, you want to be able to kill them. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, can we talk about a few more artifacts that I think are unplayable? Oh sure. I I don't I don't know if I'm going to agree with you on many of these, but go ahead. The two scrolls I think are unplayable. I think that Angel 1 is playable. I think the Scroll of Grizzled Brand is closer to unplayable. But the fact that you can make your opponent discard a card at instant speed, like on their draw step, is never like completely irrelevant in my mind. Do you think you'll ever have enough Angels to where you're going to gain 5 life off this card? I saw a deck that did it on Sunday, and... Damn it. Uh, this guy, Brian, was running it. It was a red-white deck, and he, he actually had two scrolls in there. He said he originally started with 18 lands and no scrolls, and he said eventually it was worth it just to go back to 17 land and play two scrolls and cut, like, some other card. Huh. Which uh, I thought was... It, it was definitely surprising to me, but it made sense once I saw the deck. And, it, and I think that might have been sealed, so that's different. a bit of a caveat. Yeah. Regardless, I think that anything that cycles for two mana, while not good, is still 
unplayable in my mind. Yeah. Like I'd rather play this than the Cathedral uh, Sanctifier. The draw card with and potentially no, gain some. No, no, no. Yes. This is this is so much worse. It you you're not gaining the life most of the time. I don't care about the life gain. I get to. Well, cycle that's it. why I'm playing Cathedral. You can't compare the two cards if you're not talking about life gain here. That's the only reason I would put Cathedral at dudes in my deck. How does Cathedral? I mean, Cathedral Sanctifier doesn't draw you any cards. What are you? I'm talking about life gain. I'm not. All right, well, why are we We're arguing at... Why are we yelling at each other? I don't know. Um, but actually, there is something to say about the Scroll of Grizzleband, is that it's not a sorcery speed discard, so you can't actually do it to them during their draw step. Didn't I say that two minutes ago? I was totally not listening to you. <laughs> that was why. That was my whole argument as to why that card was not unplayable. I was thinking about how, how the hell can Scroll of Addison be playable, but yeah. Yeah, the fact that you like if your opponent is drawing off the top and you have a scroll of Grizzlebrand, like you can make them discard a a permanent before they even have a chance to play it during their draw step. One thing that we should mention is that uh, with with the Grizzlebrand scroll is that you can make your opponent discard during their draw step. <laughs> I hate you so much sometimes. <laughs> I wish I could reach my hand across America and slap your Florida face. I'm sorry. I should, okay. I should probably not zone out while I'm thinking of Scroll of Avacyn. <laughs> Just dreaming of scrolls. I mean, what if we're having a curse scroll, man? Yeah, can't they reprint some sweet scrolls? Yeah. Like, Are there are there any other good scrolls? Oh, Merchant Scroll Merchant was Scroll awesome. Merchant Scroll was really good. Still yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's about all the scrolls we have uh, time to discuss, though. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah, those are the cards I think we'll call unplayable. Um, other cards like that some folks said were better than they thought um, would be, better than they thought they would be, uh, at Benjotron on Twitter said Nightshade Peddler and Eaten by Spiders. Yeah. Like, Nightshade Peddler is the Soulbond guy that gives Death Touch. I don't know how good that guy is, but, I mean, I guess he's playable. He's a... Uh, a human, right? Mm-hmm. So. We did, um... That's, sorry, keep going. Go ahead, no, go ahead. I just realized, we, we missed, we totally missed a card when we were talking about, uh, or, I mean, you didn't mention it, we did it, like, uh, pick-a-card style, but when we did the white on commons, um, Archangel? I think it's too expensive. Oh, no. To, I think... To be, to be as good as those, I think those other two cards are just better. I don't know. I... I'm really close to picking Archangel over both of them. Okay, I think you're wrong, but I mean, you might. You, time could prove you correct. Yeah, I mean, it was on the cover of Duelist magazine, so. What? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, eaten by spiders was actually a card that not only did the Benjotron guy mention, but uh, at E Pendragon also mentioned as. A card that was better than expected, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the blue white flyers deck is such a prominent force in the in the format. Also, uh, at Spence Harris mentioned it in to me in conversation. Oh, he did. Yes. What did he have to say about it? He said it's very good. Uh, he was pretty impressed by the fact. I mean, he was mostly talking about sealed. Uh, he did do a draft, though. I think. I think these other two folks were as well. Yeah, um, but it's. He says it's really rare to to not see a uh, a target. Flyer. Yeah, and he did also. He said he saw 
somebody kill some angel that had two equipment on it. Oh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious, but I mean that's not going to happen normally. I mean, yeah, ultimately it's an instant speed destroy target creature spell. I mean, that creature has to have flying, yeah, but it, it, I think you should rate it like you rated Plummet in M11 or draft. Yeah. I think that one, was the right. One one interaction that uh, is kind of interesting is kind of along the lines of uh, Soaring Sea Cliff and what was that spider in Zendikar? The one that you could kick her to destroy a flyer? Oh, yeah. The, um, I don't You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like the 1-3, if you paid kicker, you could destroy target flyer. Yeah. Eaten by spiders plus the, uh, the wing crafter. You don't have to soul bond to your own creatures. Ah. You can soul bond your opponent's creatures when they enter the battlefield. Clever girl. So, that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like blue green is could be a deck, like a kind of a soul bond based tempo deck. Yeah, I think so. I think I like that deck. In fact, I think I put it as a possible archetype in my possible archetype breakdown. Nice. Um, E. Pendragon on Twitter was also the person who was talking up Somberwall Vigilante and Diagraph Escort. Uh, I don't know if I'm buying the Diagraph Escort, but I, I'm kind of buying Somberwall Vigilante just because I feel like cheap humans is what Red wants to be doing. Uh, that person also mentioned Guys of Fire and Thraben Valiant as being worse than expected. Uh... Guys of Fire is the red aura that gives a creature plus one, minus one, and requires it to attack oh, every really? turn. Oh, really? That card's yeah, I don't, solid. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that either. That card still seems very playable to me. And Thraven Valiant is the 2-1 Vigilance for two in white, and I'm not surprised by that at all. Like, that card yeah. seems... Like, Vigilance? Like, what's the point of Vigilance on that card? It makes no sense. The point is that it, it doesn't happen in attacks. Oh, is that what Vigilance does? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just, I mean, yeah, it's like you're you're not really blocking with it anyway, like, if you want to be attacking with it, that is. Yeah. So I, Vigilance seems kind of irrelevant. It's going to be irrelevant, like, one in every 20 games, maybe. Yeah, I mean, just one toughness plus Vigilance does not a card make. Yeah, I mean, know, this is not, this, I mean, if that card was printed in Dark Ascension, it would totally be relevant, but it's not in that set, it's in this set totally different yeah um are there any other cards you want to talk about in general yeah i i, I got to talk to mr ryan hogan and mr spencer harris about their uh weekends um obviously we mentioned thatcher revolt uh ryan was just sucking the crazy dick off of it <laughs> um <laughs> not to be confused with the same dick. yeah no it was an insane dick um but uh one card he said that was very impressive to him was Thunderbolt, the um the modular kill a flyer or or lava Dome spike them. Yeah. Yeah, that card seems really good. It's one of the few common answers to the two four flying. Yeah. He said he said that it's just you know, you're gonna main deck pretty much every copy you get. Like there's it's gonna be really rare that you don't. And I mean that has upside over the eaten by spiders in the sense that it, even if you don't have a flying target, you can still just three to the face, yeah. Three to the face, yeah. Yep. Um, there were, I mean, most of the cards that Spencer was high on were blue cards, um, 
but uh, amass the components. I mean, that, that one's kind of obviously great, but he said it's even better than you think uh, since the format's so slow. I saw Peel from Reality do some work on Sunday night. That is a reprint, but that card is... It interacts very favorably with a lot of the cards in the format. Yeah, I'm a fan of that card. I've, I, I mean... Obviously, damage stacked during Ravnica, but it was a high pick for me back then. Um, and uh, and now, like in this set, there's like some more synergies with it, even though damage doesn't stack because things come yeah. into play and they do things, especially in blue. Drawing cards and bouncing creatures is pretty cool. I saw a lot of people playing uh, Geist Snatch, which is the counter spell that counters a creature spell and gives you a one-one spirit token. Seems pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's really easy to play around. That was watching... I mean, some people walked right into it, but I think that has more to do with the fact that it's a brand new format and it's a card that people maybe might not have remembered. Yeah. I, as, as Like, in a, in, a, in a week or two, like, no one's going to run a really good creature into that card, I don't think. Yeah, it seemed... I, I almost feel like I don't understand why it's a creature spell and not just a spell. I think it would be playable if it was any spell. But why not just make it playable? Like, what's wrong with having playable counters? Do we re- well, I mean, I think it's it's still mildly playable. It's just but not good. Like, you'll it's never one of those want it. It's one of those cards that good players can deal with in a real easy way. Like, if you're paying attention, you're probably not going to get blown out by a guy snatch. I think it's just worse than cancel, and cancel's not oh, very it's... playable. I disagree with that statement, but I agree that it's worse than cancel. I mean. I'm not saying cancel's unplayable, I just think that it's a, a low pick in the blue scheme of things, usually in core sets or where, where it shows up. Oh, I, I continue to disagree with all, of, all the things you're saying about cancel. You're a hater. I, I mean, especially a in, a, in, a, in a slow format like this, cancel would have been great. Like, Oh, yeah, I would love this. Countering six drops and I, five drops I'm all day. I'm mostly like, saying in core sets where it usually shows up. I don't think core sets are all that slow. No, but that's what I'm saying is in a format like this, a cancel would have been light years better than a oh, a guy snatch. Totally agree. Uh, so, all right. But. Uh, I saw some interesting... Or Jordan built a very interesting Homicidal Seclusion deck on Sunday night. What is this? Homicidal Seclusion is the uncommon black enchantment that says if you only control one creature, that creature gets plus three, plus one, and lifelink. Yeah, I've been... I've was looking at that when I first looked at the spoiler and was pretty That is definitely a build-around-me card, and he he did a very good job of kind of tailoring his deck to it with a lot of the... Like, he played demons that had to sacrifice themselves, he played a lot of effects that let his creatures die, and, yeah. man... I think it's best in blue-black. That's what he was playing. Yeah. I mean, you have cards like Alchemist Apprentice that feel pretty bad, like the two-mana 1-1 one, one that you can sack to draw a card, but he's awesome in the kind of the seclusion deck because if you don't have any other creatures, he can be your creature, get plus three, plus one, and lifelink, and yeah. if you do, you, you can still draw a card off him. And here's a one-color, two-card combo for you. Homicidal Seclusion and Marrow Bats which is the 4-1 flyer and you for a 4-color instead of yeah, black. Uh, you can pay 4 life to regenerate it. So if Marabats is the only creature you have and you have Homicidal Seclusion, it's a 7-2 lifelink flyer. Pay 4 life to regenerate it. Like, it's not every, yeah. every hit you get in with it basically allows you to regenerate it twice. Yep. Like, And they're not going to be able to kill it all that often. If you can stick that combo with any sort of like reasonable life total... 
that's a game you very well are on your way to winning. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't really stabilize if you're four, because <laughs> you can't regenerate it until you after you gain life. Which right. That's dead. what I'm saying. If, yeah. if you start at like like if you stick that combo when you're at like ten or above, yeah, or even like eight or above, yeah, you're probably doing real well. Yeah, you're probably feeling um, pretty good unless they have a minus one on the toughness. Shabam. Yeah. I guess it's still okay, because it'll stay alive, huh? Yeah, because it becomes a 7-2. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe you're just all good, no matter what. Yeah, it's very it's very tricky. Um, a card that I... Other... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go no, you go ahead. A card that I heard, I mean, it seems kind of obvious, that was really good was Fettergeist in blue. The, uh, oh, the uncommon Surrendibafrit type card. 3-4 uh, flying for 3, and you have to pay an upkeep for each creature you control. Uh, that isn't Fettergeist. Yeah, that uh, seems good. Yeah, that card seems real good. It seemed real good, just reading spoiler, but people, it outperformed for people, I guess. Uh, I did hear some people, other folks, talking up Angelic Walls, so there's uh, there's some backup for you. I Yeah, I... I it, it just looks like... just I mean, from our analysis, in terms of like looking at the power level, like the power toughness type range... Like, 04 seems, like, perfect for dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's just a good, uh, it's a good control card. Yeah. Um, Nephelia Smuggler, the uncommon blue dude that allows you to blink creatures. Mm-hmm. I saw some crazy board states with that plus Miss Raven or that plus a, um, the Griff Vanguard. Yeah, like, I, I he, he's basically a kill on sight card in the blue deck. Yeah, he he really looks to me as a uh, just a super easy first pick pack one, like just so easy because the second you grab you have that it's like okay anything with a come into play ability is now just totally broken if this guy's on in play you know. Yeah, I mean he's a one one he's really fragile but. If you can stick him, or if you can maybe protect him with yeah. the the soul bond hexproof guy, like you can do some stupid things. Yeah, with that the card. upside is just too high to ignore. Uh, it's just like I mean, yeah, like you were saying, like bouncing a bouncing a creature every turn for four mana is like nearly unbeatable. Like it's just you're just locking them out of playing spells at that point. Yep, I saw somebody have to hard cast the temporal mastery because they drew it on turn one. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. And they they like cast it for literally no value. It was like he's like cast temporal mastery, go. <laughs> there was like he didn't even attack. I was like, why the why the hell are you playing that card right there? Yeah, I I, makes, I wanted to strangle him. It made me crazy. Like I needed to cycle it. <laughs> it's like I wanted to draw one more card. It's like no, dude, you gotta at least get an extra attack in or something. Or, like, or play another spell, maybe. Yeah, there was just nothing. He did nothing with it. That really... Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, it's upsetting. Terminus and Devastation Tide, both rares, but both... Really, really good. Really good. Uh, uh, this our, My buddy Brian equated Terminus to Scheherazade. Just like... <laughs> play a new game. It's like, it's like yeah, we were playing a game of Magic. Let's play a sub-game. You know? And I'm winning. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Desolate Lighthouse, the Looting Land. Very good. Yeah, the, that's kind of the obvious. 
And there's that's your red blue card. Like that's the red blue deck. Yes. It's just it sets the card that'll put me into it. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, card that I have heard nobody say anything about, but I'm sure is great. Stern Mentor. <laughs> the milling guy. Yeah, I'm just a hundred percent positive this guy is good. Is he an uncommon or a rare? He's uncommon. Okay. It's uh yeah you pair him up and he he mills for a turn like the cards don't do that cards don't mill for a turn in limited that's so fast kills him so fast and it mills two the turn you play him if you pair him immediately so well he or she I guess mills two and then the other creature mills two so it plus another creature mills for a turn that's what I'm saying yeah that's exactly okay what I mean without another creature it, it's a two two. <laughs> So let's ignore a stern mentor if you don't let's, have another. Card. Yeah, let's just pretend like that. That'll never happen. Hey, it won't. Not when I have my angelic walls. Oh. I saw. I saw John try to build a, a mill deck on Sunday night. Yeah, I don't think that's a deck. I think stern mentor by itself is a win condition. But kind of along the lines of that expel from. Uh, totally yes. Okay, I can't remember increasing whatever it was. Ambition? No. Uh, no. Confusion. <laughs> confusion. There you go. Uh, last card I want to talk about is Treacherous Pit Dweller, which is another rare. It's the black demon that has Undying, but when it enters the battlefield for the second time, it comes into play under your opponent's control. Yeah, is that good? Uh, Jordan had to use his, uh, there's the common creature that says sacrifice to remove target card in a graveyard from the game. Oh, right, yeah, the 2-1 for 2. The 2-1 for... I can't remember what that... Uh, Crypt Creeper? Crypt Creeper. Well, that's hard to say. Yeah, you want to say Crypt Keeper every time you see it, but... Crypt and, Creeper. Crypt Creeper. Yeah. I saw him use his own... He sacrificed his own Crypt Creeper to make sure his opponent did not get it. And, and was that a good exchange for him? It didn't look like it to me. Like, it looked like just... He did get, like, one hit in with the Pit Dweller, but... I mean, eventually he traded two cards for one of his opponents, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, or maybe it might have even been on the double block, so it might have been a two two for two. two, Ah, Okay. Even even then, it's like most situations that probably won't be the case. Yeah, it's still not great for you. It's not like you're up. Yeah, I think the Pit Dweller maybe goes up in value if you have a lot of removal and, like, tempo stuff to kind of clear the way for him. But with that said, like, he seems pretty mediocre yeah i'd like to talk more with jordan about how that card played because i only saw the one game where he cast it yeah sounds like jordan had an interesting deck yeah i liked it a lot i think he ended up i don't know if i think he beat ryan in the finals with ryan's crazy red black aggro deck but i don't don't quote me on that man i gotta talk to him about that he's he's talking thatcher volt up too much to have not gone 3-0 so well, it was an 11 man draft. I don't care. I gotta scold him if he didn't uh, go 3 I think he went. I think he did go 3 0 when he lost in the fourth round to Jordan. But oh, they did four rounds. Okay. Yes. So, and Jordan's deck was very good. Like multiple undead executioners, uh, a Deathwind, the aforementioned double marrow bat, uh, plus the the plus three plus one lifelink enchantment. Yeah. Like, his deck was pretty sweet. He had a human frailty in there as well. Like it was a good deck. Cool. Um, with that said, I gotta wrap it up. I'm gonna go draft right now. Lucky you. I don't get to do such things. Yeah. Well, soon, my friend. Soon. Yes, next week. 
looking forward to it. All right, people. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been East West Draftcast. I hope uh, our our revelations on our first look at these cards was useful. Uh, obviously, we don't really have much um, experience yet, but uh, I think it was a good first look. We're going to get there. Yeah. Um, but you can visit us, or you can reach us by email, and we are still looking for uh, mailbag entries. Uh, just any question you got for us, send it our way. Uh, it's eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have our Facebook. You can search us up there, East West Draftcast. I think you can get there at facebook.com slash eastwestdraftcast. Is that right? Slash EW Draftcast. Slash EW Draftcast, which segues perfectly into our Twitter feed, which is at EW Draftcast. And my personal one is at Jeff EWDC. Uh, we have. One more thing, a website, uh, eastwestdraftcast.com. Pretty easy. Yep. Come check it out. And uh, I don't know. Until next time, everybody, happy drafting and enjoy the new set. Draftcast out. I was a friend. I'd eat your brains. I was a friend. I'd eat you